kiddos, welcome to Dad Feelings, the podcast about fictional father figures. This week, I'm going to be taking on a character that has been requested by fans of the series basically since we started the show, and I've been putting off talking about him because to talk about Joseph Joestar is to have to explain what JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is. So... For those who don't know, um, JJBA, which is like a way faster way of talking about it, or just JoJo, is this uh, this manga, like this Japanese comic and anime series that's been running for like 30 years almost. And um, I guess I'll try and give like a rundown of it. Um, my friend Bloody Honey basically explains JoJo's Bizarre Adventure as like the story of this one family and how this one guy just, like, messes with them over, like, a bunch of generations. And that's, like, a pretty succinct description, actually, because, like, it really is just about the Joestar family, which is, like, an absurd name. But uh, it's about their relationship to this guy, Dio, who is, starts off as just kind of a dick and then becomes a vampire and then gets his head cut off, but his head's still alive. And then his head, like, comes back to... Okay, I'm getting I'm getting off track here. <laughs> Basically, this is, like, a, a kind of, like, an adventure uh, show or comic. So in ways, it's, like, pretty typical of, like, this kind of genre of just, like, like boys fighting each other and um, having dramatic stare-downs. But there's, like, all these things that make this series really special to me. And it's, like, one of the few... um, It's basically the only anime that I've ever really been into, aside from, like, Dragon Ball and and Pokemon and stuff, like, years ago. But it has a very distinctive art style, first of all. So the the creator, Hirohiko Araki, um, is just enamored with, like, couture... And is just really good at drawing these like really buff guys in really decadent poses with like incredible outfits. And a lot of the series is kind of about posing. Like JoJo posing is like a meme at this point. Um, you just see these characters like bending into like ridiculous positions. Like um, if you know like a the whole trope of like American comic books drawing female characters in like these like unbelievable positions that are meant to like show you their butt and boobs and like hips and everything like at the same time picture kind of like that but like a tall muscular man wearing like a very colorful suit with like a boob window in it and that's basically his style so Jojo split up into like got eight parts at this point. And um, the first part, like, the first part is set in, like, Victorian England, and then, like, they kind of, like, go on from there. Um, Like, they're all, like, sequential, so, like, there's, like, a time skip in between each of them. So Joseph Joestar, who this episode is about, and I may end up doing another episode on, like, other JoJo dads, because there are others. Um... Also, yeah, if you don't get the JoJo thing, most of the main characters are named something Joestar. So, like, the very first character is named Jonathan Joestar. 
and then Joseph Joestar, so like Jojo. Um, and uh, so Joseph Joestar is the grandson of Jonathan, who is the very first character who starts off the whole feud with Dio, who is this vampire. And um, basically, uh, Joseph is the hero of the second part. And in that part, he's sort of this, like, he's like a teen. He's like 18 years old. And um, he's inherited these, like, these powers called Ripple from his grandfather, Jonathan. And basically the Ripple is, like, this kind of, like, martial arts that you use to kill vampires, but also do cool stuff like uh, climb up walls or, like, turn a leaf into a parachute or, like, all kinds of stuff. It's, like, kind of, like, the power of life and, like, channeling energy and, like, through breath. Um, so it has, like, it draws a lot from, like, martial arts um, mythology. So basically, like, Joseph isn't introduced as a dad. And that's kind of one of the cool things about this character is, like, he starts off as a teen who is, like, who has a dad figure. Um, his grandfather is dead at this point. Uh, Dio has killed him. But um, so we're basically introduced to him as this this kid in New York City. And um, he's, like, 18 years old, and he lives with his grandmother. And... He gets caught up in like this, um, <laughs> in an unusual incident. And, um, basically he is like caught up in this whole thing with vampires. And so like Dio is sort of the first vampire in the series. And he basically is like this shitty kid who's taken in by the, the Joestar family. And then is like really jealous and like, just, he's just like a shitty kid. Like he has some motivation sort of, but like. Mostly, I guess his motivation is, like, he's, like, he's, like, lower class, like, working class, and he hates rich people, which is cool. Um, and so he, like, gets taken in by the Joestar family because they, like, owe his father a favor. And um, he basically, like, destroys them from the inside out. And he becomes a vampire with the help of this stone mask that was, like, invented by these, like, ancient beings uh, that turns people into vampires. Um and he and Jonathan fight for a while, and he ends up killing Jonathan and, like, stealing his body, but that doesn't come into play until later. But uh, anyway, basically that's all happened, and, like, 20 years later or, like, 18 years later or whatever, uh, Joseph is this goofy dude in New York City, and, like, immediately that is, like, one of his distinguishing characteristics is he's a goofball. So the very first series of JoJo with... Uh, Jonathan is very much like a classic action adventure story in that Jonathan Joestar is like very um, severe and like self-sacrificing and like the very kind of like prototypical good guy of that kind of story. Whereas Joseph, like immediately as soon as we're introduced to him, he's like, like beating up corrupt cops to save this kid. He's like, um, just like running around the city like just he's just like this weird scrappy goofy buff teen um and he gets caught up in this stuff with with vampires like so it turns out that um there are more of those stone masks that make people into vampires that some people found and like this guy who helped his grandfather kill dio or defeat dio i guess he's not actually dead 
um, and found one of the masks and um, used it because he wanted to become immortal. And he's like, well, I got to kill everyone who has ripple powers who can like, like basically I got to kill everyone who's a threat to me. So I'm going to go kill Joseph. Um, and Joseph ends up like killing him with like tricks and being like, just like a, a tricky dude. And uh, he finds out like there, that there's like this ancient race of pillar men who are like these incredibly buff, mostly nude guys named after like ACDC, Wham, and um, Cars, the Cars. Um, but that's another thing about this series is like almost every character is named after like a prog rock band because Araki was very much into prog. So um, that's kind of the plot of like the second series, like the series that we're introduced to Joseph in. And like I said, he's not really a dad at this point. So I kind of want to gloss over this a little bit. It is important because it establishes him as like this kind of non-traditional protagonist in that he is very playful and goofy and kind of a dick sometimes. Like he's not, he kind of says some like gross stuff about women and he's sort of just like an asshole in some ways, but, um, but he is fun. Like he's like a fun, goofy guy. Um, and so the part, the whole story of part two is him and his, this guy, Caesar, um, and they're both kind of descendants of the people that originally uh, defeated the, the vampire Dio. Uh, they work together to fight these, these buff nude guys and um, to protect this ancient artifact from them because they've awakened and are like trying to get it and it will turn them into gods. And basically they succeed. And um, um, that's pretty much part two. Um, it ends with, um, Joseph marrying this character, Susie Q, again, named after a musical reference. And, um, that's pretty much like your whole intro to him. He is just like the scrappy guy who, um, kind of grows up without a dad, which is kind of important. Um, his dad was like, uh, a fighter pilot, I think, and was killed by a zombie at some point because he didn't have ripple power. So it like skipped a generation, I guess. Um, so he kind of grows up without a dad. I mean, he has like father figures kind of like this guy, Speedwagon, who is one of his grandfather's friends becomes this oil tycoon. And um, he like helps his grandmother raise him. But, um, but it's mostly just like uh, him and his grandmother. Um, Cause also his mom is like out of the picture too. And she later shows up anyway, none of this stuff is totally crucial, but it is kind of interesting to note that he is growing up in this kind of non-traditional family structure. He doesn't really have like a, a true father, I guess. So anyway, the end of part two, we time skip ahead like, oh my God, like 50 years almost. Um, and he's in his 60s and he is going to Japan to see his uh, grandson. And um, he's like an old man now. He's like 60 something. He's still super buff though. Um, and he has a beard now. But because he's been doing like this ripple 
um, the ripple training stuff, like the martial arts I was talking about, it kind of lets people like be buff, old, like older and buff, I guess. So he's like in his sixties, but he's like very, he's becomes daddy very quickly, but he's also, he's also granddad. Um, so that's kind of intro to Joseph Jostar. Um, by the time part three starts, which is called Stardust Crusaders, he again is in his sixties and he goes to visit his grandson who's been put in jail. And basically what's happened is that Dio, the vampire that his family fought like decades and decades ago, um, he stole Jonathan Joestar's body. His like when Jonathan fought him, he basically reduced him to just a head, and uh, Dio ends up killing him by taking him by surprise and stealing his body and like attaching his head to his body. And for some reason, that has like given him these like special powers called a stand. And it's also awakened stand abilities in every other member of the Joestar family. And so Joseph goes to visit his grandson because his grandson's like put himself in jail basically because he says that he's possessed. And um, he's like, no, actually like you have a power called stand and it's called a stand because it stands beside you. And it's like kind of like a spirit. It's like a manifestation of your fighting spirit and like your energy and power. And so um, Jotaro, who is his grandson, like doesn't know what's going on. He just sees this like spirit start appearing that no one else can see. And it's like doing things for him. Like it's like getting him food and stuff somehow and like stops him from hurting himself and like all these other things. And Joseph's like, no, like I have one too. It's called Hermit Purple. Mine is this vines that come out of me. And he's like, also, here's my friend. Um, and he has a stand too, and it's a bird that uses fire on things. And his name's Avdol, or Abdul, I guess, like Paula Abdul. But, um, so basically this becomes a problem because, uh, Joseph's daughter, Holly, also develops a stand, but because she's not like, this is the the kind of like rationale that the story gives. And it really is just like a refrigerator kind of moment. But basically Holly develops a stand, but since she doesn't have like the fighting will, like she's too nice or like too kind, I guess. So like the stand just is like slowly killing her. Like it's these vines that are just coming out of her body. So there's like, it's just kind of like to any other doctor or any other person, it just looks like she's sick or in a coma. But like to people who can see stands, it looks like there's these vines slowly killing her. And so they're like, okay, well, we have to kill Dio because he's the one that's causing this. And like, if we, um, like she can't control his powers, like if we kill him, then it'll stop. And so Joseph is basically like the, the instigator of this whole story. And he um, is just like the dad for like this whole part. Um, and it's very good. He has like this Indiana Jones hat. He has a beard. He has this big coat he wears. And um, he's still a goofball, but he's like kind of like the one who's supposed to be like 
know what's going on and like kind of be in charge because like basically it's him, a 60 something year old American man traveling around the world with his friend who is um, this kind of like magician uh, guy um, who this like Egyptian magician and um, and then his grandson who is like 18 or like 16 or 17 but is like incredibly buff like he's just like a huge buff man Um, and then like a couple more like young people like this French guy named Paul Nareff and this other um, high school student um, named Kakyoyan and then later on there's a dog um, named Iggy but like he's basically like the only one who's like mature in a way because like he he very quickly settles into the role of like dad but like that manifests in a couple of ways like one way is like he makes plans and he's like okay here's what we should do we need to go find Dio we need to like kick his ass I'm gonna use my my stand which is hermit purple which can do like spirit photography to like take pictures of distant things to like find out where he is and then we'll track him down and um so he's very much like determined and like has a plan but also he's just like a goofball. Like he's still very much like in his younger days. He just like is kind of like fumbling his way through things. He's like trying to like cheat and like slip past things. Um, also he's kind of been like in a lot of ways uh, his role in this part is he's been reduced to kind of this like advisor or like guiding force because um a big change between part three and part two is that it's not about um, vampires and like the ripple anymore. It's now about stands, which Iraqi introduced because he thought they would just be like an interesting way of like depicting action in a comic, like to have like, instead of just, you know, shooting a fireball or doing something like that, like to have a second, almost like a second character, like an extension of the main character appear and like take some action. It's a little more visually interesting. And, um, but as a result, like Joseph has a stand, but like, it's not really the same as everyone else's. Like, it's just these vines that like he can use to like swing around and like do like some telepathy stuff and like sometimes fight people, but like, he's not really, he's been outclassed kind of by his like buffed teen grandson who has like this blue punching god and like it just there's all these threats that come up that he is just like totally ill-prepared to handle and so like he ends up just flailing around a lot and so this is the other way in which he becomes dad like he's just very much like ill-prepared for like all the things that happen like one of his his dumbass kids is on fire and like another one is just like the sink is overflowing and he's just running around trying to put things out um, and so he has this catchphrase in part three, which is just like, he just like, like does like the home alone thing almost like he puts his hands to either side of his face and he's like, oh my God. And just like freaks out constantly. And it's very good. <laughs> it's very, very good. Um, and so like the story of part three is basically them just kind of traveling across the world to get to Egypt where Dio is. And, um, like, Dio sends all these assassins after them and just, like, they have to sort of fight their way past them. And they all the characters develop these kind of, like, relationships together and they kind of develop this bond of, like, they're, like, these, they're on this quest together. And um, 
Joseph, uh, like, they eventually encounter Dio. Like, they finally get to him. And Dio uh, kills Kakyoin, one of the teens, and then uh, apparently kills Joseph as well. Like, he just, like, drains all his blood. Um, he's, like, not actually dead. They somehow, like... <laughs> Um, after Jotaro kills Dio, they, they somehow like put blood back into him. Um, which is not how that works, I don't think. <laughs> but there is a very good part where, um, Joseph is like revived and he's just like, ah, oh, it's me, Dio, I'm possessing Joseph's body. And like, Jotaro's like about to hit him. Um, and, uh, he's like, no, no, it's me, it's me, Joseph, I'm sorry. And he's like, and, uh, Jotaro's like, Okay, tell me something only you would know. Who like who wrote the song Eat It, the parody of Michael Jackson's Beat It? And Joseph's like, Oh, it's Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> like he's like, Okay, I'm convinced it's you. Only you could possibly know that. And um they are happy and they I mean they're not super happy because like three of their friends die and one of them is a dog, which is like super sad. But um so Joseph's like kind of been sort of in this dad position the whole time. And um, then at the end of the story, he goes back to um, back to America. So that's part three. <laughs> I said there are eight parts of JJBA. Uh, Joseph's only in three of them. So kind of started off with two where you get to see him in his teen years with that kind of without a, a dad figure. And then in part three, he ends up being like a decent grandfather slash dad to like these teens and dog and like other people, despite not really having had like, despite having had kind of a weird upbringing um, with like vampires and oil tycoons and stuff. So he's like pretty cool. Um, so part four is set like about 10, 12 years later after part three. And um, basically, Jotaro discovers that Joseph had an illegitimate son at some point named Josuke. And uh, he is trying to sort of settle up uh, Joseph's affairs or like trying to like figure out inheritance stuff because Joseph's getting older and they're just trying to like like Joseph told him that he has a son or he found out somehow so he like goes there and he's like oh I guess you're technically my like my uncle like I'm your nephew then if like you're like my grandfather's son even though you're like younger than me um, so the family stuff gets kind of weird, but, uh, then they're like, oh, okay, well, like, thanks for telling me, um, like, Josuke's like, oh, cool, I have a dad who's, like, this elderly American, um, okay, well, don't bring him here, because my mom will, like, freak out that she, like, got knocked up by this guy who then disappeared, um, because, of course you would, but anyway, like, weird stuff starts happening in this town, Mario, in Japan, and um, they find out that there are other stand users there and that there's, like, bad stuff going on and there's maybe this serial killer. And at some point, 
they are trying to track down this one stand user who's able to like jump into telephone lines and like ride electricity basically. And so they need Joseph to use his powers to like, um, like find people with the spear of photography. So they're like, okay, we're going to bring him. He's going to come to town and um, he'll do the thing. And then I guess maybe he can also meet his son because he's never met Josuke. And at this point, it turns out he's like 70 something. He's like 79. And he is just like, like in part two, he's still like, he's a buff dad. Like he's gray, but he's like still totally in shape. He can keep up with most of the other characters. Part seven, he's like an old, old man. He's like old, old. He's wearing this goofy hat. He's hunched over. He has a cane. He moves super slowly. And um, there's kind of this question of like, okay, well, why did he deteriorate so quickly? Um, if he's like has this ripple power that like is this martial art that like lets him stay young and like the explanation I think basically like it's never really addressed but I think if you look at the character he's very lazy and hates hard work um, and so it would make sense that he would just like stop doing that if he didn't have to fight vampires or whatever but anyway he shows up and he's like this elderly man um and he's like wearing glasses, he's hard of hearing, he's like, um, he doesn't really use, yeah, he doesn't use the Ripple stuff anymore. Um, and so he doesn't really fight anymore. He's sort of just like hanging out. And kind of the most important scene, I think, so I guess just to set the stage, like his son, Josuke, isn't really interested in meeting him. And like, that kind of makes sense, right? Like, you find out your dad is like, yeah, this older guy who has never thought it was important to like meet you, or I guess like didn't know that you existed. Um, but like to have some guy just like show up and be like, I'm your dad now. Like that would be weird. Right. And Joseph is like kind of heartbroken by that because he's like, Oh, this is cool. Like I have a son that I didn't know about. Like I want to get to know him. But his son is like, no, thanks. Um, but so one day they're like walking down the street to like catch a bus or something. Like they've all been having lunch or something and they have to catch a bus together. And like Josuke is like totally like just annoyed with him. Like he's just like so um, just like, yeah, ticked off by having to like help this old man around who like is his dad, but he like isn't really interested in having a relationship with. And so this weird thing happens where they find a baby who is invisible. Like they find a baby who has the stand power that just like lets her turn invisible. And it ends up like being this big problem because it, the baby doesn't really have control of it because she's a baby and it starts turning other things around her invisible. And, um, at one point, like, she's in this carriage that starts rolling away down a hill, and, like, she falls into, uh, like, a pool of water, and they can't see her. And, like, there's a baby just underwater, and, like, they're trying to save this baby, but it's invisible. Invisible babies is, like, something that happens. Like, no, I'm not, <laughs> like, it's not like that happens more than once in, in JoJo, but, like, that kind of thing is very emblematic of, like, the whole direction of the series. So Josuke is like freaking out, right? Cause he's like, I can't find this baby. This baby is like 
I like, what the fuck? Gotta save this baby. And Joseph is like, okay, well, like, I, I, I'm going to do something. And he like cuts, uh, cuts his wrist to like, like basically fill up the water with blood so that they can find the baby. Like it would, you know, you'd be able to see like the pool of invisibility within the redness because like in water, it's impossible to see, I guess. And um, he's like, and they find, and like he's like aware that like he might die from this because he's like pretty old and like he's losing a lot of blood. And he's like, oh, I just, like, I just wanted you to be proud of me. Like, I just, um, you know, I just like want my son to like, like me. Um, and Jessica's like really touched by it. And it's like the most like endearing moment of maybe the whole character. Um, because he's just trying so hard to like have a relationship with his son. And like, obviously he's doing, he's, you know, trying to save this baby because he believes it's the right thing to do and he doesn't want a baby to die. But he's also just like, like just thinking about that, like, oh, I found out I have this son and like, I, he kind of hates me, but I would really like to have a relationship with him, but I don't know how to do that. And he's like, seems to be really annoyed with me. And I guess that makes sense. But like, I just want him to think I'm like, okay. Um, and so he does this like really intense act of self-sacrifice and it's like super super touching and he's like um kind of as the, the this part goes on he sort of becomes the caretaker of this baby <laughs> um he buys all this baby stuff for it and he's just like carrying this baby around the rest of the time and like it doesn't really go anywhere in the story there's a lot of threads in part four and in Jojo in general that like you can tell Iraqi is like making it up as he goes along and like sort of let certain threads fall because he decides that they're not worth pursuing. Um, but he basically adopts this baby because they can't find it, its parents. And um, he, yeah, he adopts her and then like goes back to America and his wife thinks that this baby is like another secret child that he's had. Um, but yeah, he becomes like another, he becomes a dad again. With, he's like 70 and this is a tiny baby. So um Apparently he does live to at least 90-something because, like, Iraqi says that in part six, which is called Stone Ocean, uh, Iraqi says that Joseph would be around 90-something by then. Um, and part six is the last part that takes place in that universe because part seven and eight are in a different, a different timeline um, because... It, you just it's just got to get more confusing um but we don't have to talk about that today because he's not in them so joseph is like he's like a he's an adventure dad he is like your dad who is kind of your father or like related to you but not like your dad like he wasn't around when you were growing up but like he shows up when you're ready or like when you're a teen and is like i'm gonna help you do stuff like I'm going to go help you kick some vampire's ass and like save your mom or like I'm going to help save a baby and like help you beat some like jackass stand user. And um, that's kind of cool about him. Um, and also he mellows out a lot, I think, in part um, as he like becomes older. 
um, when he's younger, he he's like still a goofball, but he's kind of like a dick in ways too. And um, he's a really great contrast in part four between like him and the main character, his grandson, Jotaro, who's kind of like the stoic, silent, badass proto- like archetype, um, who is kind of entertaining sometimes, but also just like, like, I don't know, not, not that funny usually, like where comedy comes like in spite of him or like because of how like stoic he is and not from like his character. Whereas Joseph is like, like in part two, his trademark thing is like he is just like prepared for every situation. And like, as soon as his opponent is like gloating about how they're going to like beat him, he's like, oh, your next line is, uh, and then just like just says exactly what they're going to say. And then they're like shocked and he's like predicted everything. And sort of, he's like this like scrappy survivor who sort of just rolls from one situation to the next on his kind of like wits and ingenuity. And um, that continues in part four. Like he is just like this goofy guy who um, kind of balances out the seriousness of situations by how intensely he reacts to things. And then in, Oh, sorry, in part three, I mean, and then in part four, um, he has just sort of taken this back seat as, like, granddad and um, just hanging out and uh, taking care of this invisible baby. <laughs> and um, it's very good. Uh, JoJo's Blair Adventure is, like, in many ways about dads because it is mostly about an intergenerational story of about men, like, there's a, a girl Jojo, but she doesn't come up until part six. But actually, she is Jotaro's daughter. So that part is very strongly about dads as well. So I will probably do a separate episode about that. And I may wrap in some other characters as well. But I feel like that wraps up most of what I want to say about, about Joseph. Um, I'll probably put a link in the show notes to him doing his oh my god thing because it's very, very good. Um, yeah. And, um, if you've never seen or read Jojo's Bizarre Adventure and still are kind of confused, or maybe if you're interested, I would totally recommend checking it out. Um, all of the anime so far, which is up to about halfway through part four, I think is on Crunchyroll, which is a really good way of streaming it. And then I think they've been releasing the manga, uh, in these like nice hardcover, versions for the last few years and I don't know how far they are in that but I'm sure they're at least done part two um yeah so um thanks so much for listening um thank you for sharing the shows with your friends thanks for uh the RTs and for rating and reviewing us on iTunes it's super super helpful I just made a day of it a little while ago and went through every podcast I listened to and just wrote a review and that was like, I felt really good. It was like my community service. Like I, um, yeah, I felt like a weight had been lifted off of me. And so now whenever I hear people say to rate and review, I'm like, I did that. I'm good. I'm a good person. So if you want to feel like a good person, do the same thing. And, um, yeah, check out, uh, dad feelings on Twitter and yeah. Thanks again for listening. And I will talk to you next week. Bye, kiddos. Dad Feelings is hosted by Merrick Kay and produced and edited by Nick Bravo for Stay Mean. 
Stay Mean is listener-supported. If you appreciate the shows we make and want access to bonus episodes and other perks, support us at dadfeelings.com support. Our theme music is Swell Content by Speedy Ortiz off their album, Foil Deer. Thanks to Car Park Records and Sadie Dupuy. Thanks for listening. Be good, kiddos.